think it's really great if especially young men, obviously I can't speak for them, but I would imagine that if young men are looking at some of these players and hearing their stories and they're like, hey, like he is willing to talk about this experience, like that makes it okay for me too as well. So I think it's hugely impactful. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. The global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Hello and welcome to the Medical Alley podcast. We've got a special edition here today of the podcast coming to you live from the Minnesota Vikings Museum in Egan at our last Alley Chats event of the year. My name is Tyler Mason. I'm with the Medical Alley Association. I'm excited to be here today talking to a few members of the Vikings organization, talking about a topic that's been very important to Medical Alley throughout the year and and throughout our history. Uh, So we're going to be shining a light on mental health as we talk with, as I said, a few folks from the Minnesota Vikings. So excited to be here today. We're going to be talking to Lindsay Young, a writer with Vikings.com, and Dr. Brownell Mack, the team clinician, who will be joining us in the second part of the interview here. So we're joined first by Lindsay. Lindsay, thanks for coming today. Yeah, of course. I like doing it at the museum, too. This is a cool atmosphere, and I always like to kind of brag about the museum. Yeah, so. I think a lot, a lot of people maybe didn't know it's here, so a uh, good opportunity for people to check it out. So Absolutely. Awesome. Well, yeah, Let's before we get started, let's talk a little bit about your background and then your role with the Vikings. Sure. Um, so I'm born and raised Minnesotan, grew up a Vikings fan, just kind of a general Minnesota sports fan. Um, I can remember like being really young and going to like Vikings training camp with my dad and being like, oh, I'm going to like work for the Vikings someday or like watching people on TV like Pam Oliver and whoever it might be. And just sort of had this like little bug in my ear about wanting to be in sports. Didn't really know what that would look like. Um, I went to the University of Northwestern in St. Paul, the smaller liberal arts college. Um, And from there, I I interned with the Timberwolves while I was there. Um, And then for five years after graduation, I actually worked at Northwestern as the I ran the writing and tutoring center there. But I was doing a lot of writing and stuff on the side. I knew I really wanted to be in sports. So I kept applying to jobs, interviewing, sure. you know how it goes, yeah. and was able to kind of do some freelance stuff, do some blogging. I started out with the Vikings just sort of on a contract basis, doing a couple of things here and there that they needed a little extra help with. Um, and then in December 2015, I was able to join them full time and I've okay. been there ever since. And it's kind of crazy, like how many <laughs> years it's been already. I think this is coming up on year seven. Yeah. So. Awesome. I should, for some background, I guess you and I probably crossed paths years ago. I was a former sports writer back in the yeah. previous life. So I think we, we crossed paths there maybe with the Wolves or, or Vikings uh, at some point. So, um, you know, I've, I've been following your work and, and obviously the series Getting Open uh, is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on today um, to talk about 
the mental health work that uh, that you talked about in that and and that series, but then also obviously we'll get into maybe your own advocacy of mental health as well. Um, so that ser- series called Getting Open uh, yeah. started in 2021, profiled players on the Vikings, other members of the organization, their you know maybe their mental health journeys or, or what they've been dealing with. Uh, where did that idea first come about for the series? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, I'd kind of I've kind of always had this passion about talking about mental health, um, about being an advocate in that area. And I always had kind of wanted to do something with the Vikings, but didn't know what that would look like. We had kind of had these one-off opportunities. You know, um, I remember Kevin McDermott, our former long snapper, he did Mm -hmm. like a walk for suicide awareness. We were able to cover that, but never really had anything, you know, long-term. Well, then obviously the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. um, the murder of George Floyd, just so much going on right here in the Twin Cities. I think everybody was struggling. I'll get into my story a little bit later, but I I did have a really difficult time um, mentally and kind of as I was starting to feel better and kind of come out of that a little bit, um, I noticed that one of our former players, uh, Jalen Holmes, he had posted on just his personal Instagram, Mm -hmm. this post about um, depression and how to recognize the symptoms and and resources and whatnot. And I reached out to him just kind of like, hey, thank you for sharing this. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really important. Um, and he was like, you know, this is part of my story and I want to help other people. So that kind of triggered an idea for me of, Hey, I I would love to tell this story for Jalen. He seems pretty open. So it started out as just, I'm going to tell this story about Jalen. Sure. Um, and then in having a conversation with some of the people in our PR team and stuff like that was like, well, you know, do you think this could maybe be a series? Cause Adam Thielen through his foundation really focuses on youth mental health. Um, we had had a couple of players use, uh, the My Cause My Cleats platform for mental mm-hmm. health. So I thought about it. I kind of talked to some people and I came back to them and I said, I think I can get, I think I can make this four or five stories. Like kind of a mini series are sure. like, cool. Gave me their blessing. Um, turned out being 11 episodes, segments, whatever yeah, you want to call it nice. the first year. Um, and then we actually brought it back this, this past spring as well. Um, and it wasn't quite as long, but I think we did six maybe. Okay. So you know, I wish that this wasn't something that so many people can relate to, but I did like that as we kind of started this series, stories and experiences just kind of came out of the woodwork and people really are passionate about helping others and sharing sure. their story. And so that's kind of how it came about and really just grew like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd encourage people who haven't read it yet to check it out. Vikings.com. It's still up there. Uh, I it think is. All the, all the shoes mm-hmm. are just getting open to search that. Probably yeah. Find it. Yep. Uh, what were some of the biggest things you learned from doing these interviews and, and writing these stories about all the, you know, different people from different backgrounds, but all maybe sharing their stories about mental health? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really loved about it, I guess, I don't know if this is maybe something that I learned because I think I kind of expected it going in, but I loved the fact that we were able to tell such a variety of stories. We had some current players. We had some former players, black, white. Um, we had Eric Kendrick's now wife, um, Allie. So we had um, some, some women perspectives on sure. it as well. Um, I think for me, what was just sort of eye opening, and it shouldn't be right. Like this is something that I should know, but right. a lot of these people, really on the outside, like seem to have it all together, seem to be super confident. And those things might be true, but they also could be struggling with depression, anxiety, OCD, ADHD, whatever that might be. Um, And I think it was just more of a reminder for me of like, hey, you never know what people are going through. You never know what their stories are, what their experiences are. Um, And I got lots of emails like throughout the series of just people who would reach out and say like, 
hey, I really related to Allie's story or I really related to Tyler Conklin's story or or things like that. Um, and it was cool, too, to have people participate like Adam and Caitlin Thielen, who maybe have not dealt with these issues personally, but they right. care deeply about it, especially in youth. And so really giving the resources towards it as well. Sure. And something you said is kind of what, what you see on the outside is maybe not what's going on on the inside. And I think you know, we'll kind of talk a little bit about these athletes and maybe kind of breaking that down a little bit. But um, before we kind of get into more of that, was there a story that stood out to you the most? Maybe one that still resonates with you after you know doing, I think you said 17 or so of these? Well, so what was interesting to me is after we did all of them, I would say that one of the people whose story resonated with me the most was actually Jalen Holmes, the first one that we sure. did. And what was so interesting about that is you look at the number of stories we told and he and I could not be any more different. You know, (laughs) he is a a person of color. He grew up in the inner city um, out in Virginia. Like I grew up in the suburbs (laughs) in Minnesota, white as white can be like very different experiences and yet have experienced very similar bouts of depression, very similar, um, experiences with anxiety and sort of how it's manifested itself in our lives because it can be different for so many people. So I think that one was my favorite one to tell just because it was really brave of him to sort of want to start it all off. Um, and I felt I saw a lot of myself in that story as well. Sure. And obviously we're talking about, you know, NFL players and, and people that are kind of sharing their story. You mentioned the, the my cleats, my cause, my cleats, which I know you just wrote about again. seems like a lot of guys are, are maybe focusing on mental health again this year, which is, is really cool. Um, you, you look at other athletes, though, too. We had Michael Phelps as our, our keynote speaker at our annual dinner this year talking about his mental health yeah. journey as well. What do you think the impact is that, you know, these people who maybe, you know, young people or, or anybody looks up to is willing to share their story and be open about mental health? I think it's huge because, you know, it, it's great if you or I or, you know, one of our peers like wants to talk about their experience. That's amazing. But I think it brings it even a step farther if you have these athletes that, kids are watching every day on the football field, you know, especially with, with male athletics, whether it be the NBA, you know, an Olympic athlete, NFL, I think, um, there's so much that idea of this persona of, you know, tough guy, like testosterone, like you can't be a tough guy and also struggle with these things Mm or, or this idea that mental illness is a weakness. Um, and so I think the fact that that stigma is kind of breaking down is incredible. I think it's really great if especially young men, obviously I can't speak for them, but I would imagine that if young men are looking at some of these players and hearing their stories and are like, Hey, like he is willing to talk about this experience. Like that makes it okay for me too, as well. So I think it's hugely impactful. Sure. And I mentioned earlier that you've also been very open about your struggles with anxiety and depression. Um, in recent years too, both in this getting open series, you did your own, uh, I think, I don't know if it was the last one you did, but I think after you'd done some, you, you wrote one about yourself, uh, but also on social media too, on Twitter, you're very open about it too. At what point did you feel comfortable talking about that, uh, you know, to, I guess maybe random strangers or, or just anybody at <laughs> uh, the public? Yeah, I think it was probably about halfway through the first kind of, um, installment of getting open. So the anxiety, primarily it's been anxiety that I've dealt with more recently, some bouts with depression, but those things have never really been a secret. Like those people who are close to me in my life have been aware of it. Um, So it's something where I've had kind of a comfort level, you know, in that space, but I had never talked about it um, publicly at work here at the Vikings. I had never talked to my managers about it or my supervisor about it. I just didn't want to in any way put any doubt in someone's mind about what I could handle or what I could do. Um, But then when we started telling these stories, I honestly felt 
really convicted because I was like, man, like every week I'm telling these stories about like, it's okay to not be okay. You should right. talk about your, the struggles that you're having. Um, and I would never push anybody to talk about it if they're not comfortable. But I really felt kind of convicted and tugged to like, hey, it, I think it's time to like tell my own story too. Um, so I did do that at the end of that first segment. Um, and it was super nerve wracking. Like it was really nerve wracking yeah. to, to put that out. Um, at that point I had talked to my managers and supervisor because, um, I had just gone through a really dark time after having COVID myself in the fall of 2020 and had to, um, kind of navigate through that and affected my work and so on and so forth. But to put it out there publicly, like 95% of the feedback was positive. Um, People either encouraging me or just people reaching out and being like, hey, thanks for sharing your story. Like, I really relate. Um, I had a woman reach out to me who actually was a suicide survivor. Mm, Um, And she had said that 10 years prior, she had attempted suicide, Mm. survived and is so, so thankful every day that she did, but she still deals with with these difficulties every day. And so just to hear and connect with people like has been really um rewarding is the wrong word but i just appreciate the opportunity to connect with people and that they'll trust me with their stories sure. and i i applaud you for just the you know bravery of sharing your story because it's not easy to do especially someone like yourself who's maybe a i don't know if you want to call yourself a public figure but someone who's you know with the vikings and, and a lot of people follow you on social media and that sort of thing so Certainly not something that's easy to do, but um, yeah, I'm thankful that you've done it because I'm sure it's helping a lot of other people. Uh, for, for others who are, are struggling, struggling with their own mental health and maybe uh, are hesitant to talk about it, uh, you know, what, what suggestions would you have or what, what would you share just maybe from your own experience? Yeah, that's such a great question because, again, like for me, you know, I'm going to be 35 this spring. My gosh, I'm so old. Um, but <laughs> I'm like- going to say I'm 35 <laughs> myself. So okay. There we go. So... <laughs> But like, it took me a really long time to feel comfortable sharing publicly a really long time. And so I would never want people to feel pressured to do that. But that being said, I think talking about it is so helpful. So even if that's like a coworker or a friend or a parent, um, I'm a huge advocate of therapy um, and going to therapy. I also like had a rocky start to therapy. Like I saw a couple different therapists like in college and then after college and just didn't really like jive with any of them. Um, so then I was kind of like, I don't know, like kind of stopped for quite a long time. And then, um, in the winter of 2021 started seeing the therapist and I'm currently seeing and really clicked with her really, um, appreciated just having someone to be a sounding board, you know, kind of an outside party to talk to. And so I'm a huge proponent of therapy. And if you try therapy and you don't really click with the part with the therapist initially, like that's okay. I think that's totally normal, but don't feel like you have to give up on the concept. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes time and it's sometimes worth, worth the wait and worth, you know, kind of making sure you get, get everything right. But absolutely. um, Last question here for you, as we kind of leave the listeners with a lot of different, you know, things about mental health, is there something you hope that they take away from, from this conversation? I think the biggest thing that I want people to take away is just the fact that like every single person I think is going to deal with a mental health challenge at some point in their lives. For some of us, it may be chronic. Um, For some people, maybe it's circumstantial. Um, You know, it could be long-term, short-term. It could be really difficult or more of a, a blip in the roadmap. But like, if you're struggling with challenges right now, currently, if you have you're not any different than anybody else. Like, don't make it a shameful thing. Um, I think it sounds so cliche, but like 
it really does make you stronger to go through something difficult. Um, and when you reach out, I've definitely sent a couple texts to people before just like, hey, I'm just having a rough day. Yeah. I don't even really need anything. I just sure. need to tell you that I'm having a rough day, you know, and just that sometimes can be like a huge weight. So, oh. you know, be open. Remember that it's okay to not be okay and just continue to have those conversations. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. I know you've used that before, kind of breaking down that stigma of, you know, just being open to being open about it, I guess. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, Lindsay, where, if, if people want to find your work, uh, vikings.com, uh, where else can they find you if they want to? I follow you, I guess, on social media or anything else. Yeah. Um, so, yep, like you said, Tyler, Vikings.com. Um, I am on Twitter as well. So it's just at Lindsay, um, Lindsay with an E, yep. <laughs> MN Sports. Um, and I love connecting with anybody there. I'm on, you know, LinkedIn and stuff like that. My Facebook and Instagram are, are I keep private, but um, love connecting with people. I know this week is great timing because it's the Vikings My Cause My Cleats week on yep. Sunday. Um, and the staff had the opportunity to do that um, initiative as well. So I will be wearing shoes that are representing Hope for the Day, which is a really great organization. Cool. Um, Chicago-based, but does some really great things. So okay. definitely encourage people to check them what out, do, too. What do they look like? You should have worn them. To, to I know. <laughs> I really should have. Well, the, the hardwood's probably uh, not great for cleats here. but well, I'm going to show Tyler a picture. Of them. Nobody <laughs> You'll be able to see it on the podcast. Them. We'll describe it for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, very cool. Okay, so it's kind of some purple purple or sorry skull and then some pink and blue very cool like it yeah so they're not cleats yeah so they could have they're them. not cleats <laughs> they probably didn't need the yes. cleats, yeah, <laughs> well awesome well Lindsay, we really appreciate appreciate you being here today stopping by the alley chats at the vikings museum and, and you know for sharing your story and, and just being open about mental health we really appreciate the conversation today yeah thanks for the opportunity it's cool to kind of cross paths again yeah, small absolutely. world <laughs> i know it is yeah it's been fun so thanks again Lindsay. yeah of course this episode of the Medical Alley Podcast is brought to you by Gamut One Studios. Gamut One Studios is a full-service photography and videography studio in the Twin Cities, made up of a talented team of creative professionals. Gamut One Studios has extensive experience in the medical, health, and pharma industries, and for decades has been working with companies of all sizes to produce their visual projects. So if you're looking to refresh your website or elevate your marketing materials with new product photos, headshots, or corporate videos, Check out their work at GamutOneStudios.com. All right, we're now joined by Dr. Brownell Mack, the Minnesota Vikings team clinician here at our Alley Chats event at the Minnesota Vikings Museum. Dr. Mack, so glad to have you here today. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, why don't we first just start, you introduce yourself and then kind of share your background a little bit. Sure, Tyler. I'm a psychologist, as you said, by training and grew up in the Twin Cities. I've been a lifelong Vikings okay. fan, so <laughs> it's quite a, uh, an honor and experience to be this close to the team and the sure. role that I have as team clinician. Sure. And you've been with the Vikings for my five, fourth season. Fourth season. Okay, are, yeah. sure. Um, now, can you share a little bit about what the role of a team clinician is, uh, maybe day to day or just kind of big picture, what, what the team clinician does with an NFL team? Sure. It's something that was uh, mandated through collective bargaining about five years ago. So all of the clubs are required to have uh, a mental health professional who is accessible and visible throughout the season, uh, someone that players and coaches can access to deal with a personal or uh, emotional challenge. And uh, a lot of the work, too, is focused on... On, uh, peak performance, so um, helping players with uh, visualization skills and relaxation, the things that allow them to really thrive on the field, but being able to remove some of the, the barriers as well related.
related to mental health. And I don't know if we have exact statistics across the league on the prevalence of mental illness, but no reason to believe it's any less than the one in five people in general population who will have a significant uh, challenge with depression or anxiety. So I'm available to assess and treat those challenges too. Sure. So what does your day-to-day kind of look like then, both in season, which I'm guessing is probably a little bit busier, but then uh, is it an off-season thing too? Are you working with the team? Yeah, it's year-round. And during the season, it's kind of like you're uh, embedded with the team. Um, I I think of uh, the acronym WIN. So um, uh, responding to what's important now, uh, W-I-N is a big part of it. And so we do presentations for the team on stress management, for example. In the rookie class, um, they get modules on decision-making and healthy, unhealthy relationships and financial literacy. And so those presentations usually spark up some curiosity and lead to some interesting conversations right in the cafeteria and sometimes even on the the practice field where players want to, to know more or they want to come in and, and sit down and uh, dive into some of the things that might be uh, getting in, in the way for them either on or off the, the field. And so I, I'm right there. I have an office on site at the practice facility, and we can have those uh, deeper kind of private conversations when indicated. Sure. Obviously, talking to you know a professional is super important, but we're also seeing a lot of these athletes, including members of the Vikings, talking more openly just to the public, whether that's on social media or uh, we, you know, the Mike Leeds, Mike Cause uh, thing that they're doing. Some of the, the players are focusing on mental health with that. How important do you think that is for these role models, you know, these players and these people that are looked up to and, and maybe idolized uh, to, to be open about that and talk about their yeah. own mental health? That's just it. I think, Tyler, that so many of us, especially young people, look at the athletes as being superhuman and uh, invincible. And so anytime that they can demonstrate their human side um, and show that their emotional lives matter and talk about you know using their platforms to make a difference in the community, in right. the locker room, within their own families, to make sure that uh, people are able to, to thrive, that they, that they care about. About, um, I, I think it's it's modeling vulnerability and recognizing that uh, vulnerability is not weakness. It's really right. the uh, uh, most powerful sign of strength, really, that you can display. You know, if you're keeping everything out, including the the darkness, you're not letting the light in either. And so, I think every time players come forward who have a high profile and who are influential, yeah, it, it tells others that it's important to uh, face some of the things that you may not want to, to talk about. They're probably exactly the things you should be talking about and it's opened the doors i think for so many people to get the help they needed because someone that they admire uh, is talking openly about it is getting the help that they need to sure has anything in the four seasons that you've been with the team anything surprised you just about when you think about the players and maybe their willingness to talk about mental health whether that's maybe changed over the last few years or just in general anything that's kind of stood out to you yeah there have been a number of of surprises it's been a really unique role Um, one of them and this is probably to lindsey young and a lot of other people's credit within the organization just how open the, the players are. I remember my first year with the team, I was out at practice and I started a conversation with a, a player several weeks ago uh, about some of the things that were challenging in his relationship. Um, and I'm just chatting with him on the sideline and he starts opening up about some of the uh, things that are happening at home and kind of puts his arm around me and is ushering me over to the, the sideline to talk some more about this. And we get to a point where I'm saying, yeah, let's continue this a little bit later in the office. But I think being able to respond in the moment 
moment is something that is uh, really important to the players. And when they see you there, um, they recognize you as someone who's you know literally part of the team. So it's not threatening any right. longer to, to see a, a clinician because um, you're one of them in, in so many ways. Sure. Yeah. And you mentioned Lindsay, who we had on before you in her series, Getting Open, which is uh, we talked with her quite a bit about mm-hmm. that and the origins of it and just the impact that that's had. Uh, you were one of the, the interviews that she did uh, as well. And, and during that, you talked about, um, in particular, some of the gaps that people of color face with regards to mental health care. Uh, do you want to maybe expand on, on what those gaps are and, and what sort of things we as a healthcare community can do to help eliminate those gaps? Yeah, well, we've known for a, a long time in the mental health field that uh, people of color are much more hesitant to seek mental health services. And when they do, they're likely to receive substandard care and terminate early from services. And a lot of that is driven by perception. You know, some of the surveys that are done out there show that uh, 80% of African Americans for for example, uh, see mental illness as something that could be used against them or they perceive it as being shameful. And when you have that kind of stigma out there, it means that the uh, treatment is not going to be very effective. Uh, sure. Expectations go a long way toward determining the, the outcome. So we're learning a lot more, Tyler, about um, engagement and some of the strategies that are going to allow people to access and uh, receive as much care as they need to, to get better. Um, and one thing is you know, psychoeducation. So when I first meet with people, um, it's not jumping right to the chase and doing a clinical interview and making a diagnosis. It's providing some airspace initially for people to ask some questions and talk sure. openly about their, their fears and apprehensions and to really get down to, you know, what am I getting into here with this therapy stuff? We have right. to kind of demystify the process right. for for people. Um, and then I think they talk too in the research about um, fostering alliance or the shorthand way of remembering that is finding a hook with someone. So okay. per- person comes to you, they may not be thrilled about this whole idea of seeing a psychologist or therapist, but if they can, um, become aware of how it benefits them. So with the athletes, the the players in the NFL, if it's going to help me become a better football player and reach my goal of becoming all pro or winning a Super Bowl, sure, I'll entertain some of these relaxation strategies that you're talking about, or I'll I'll start to examine the relationships with my life, which seem to perhaps not be functioning the way they should. Sure. Yeah. One of the things in the the interview you did with Lindsay that stood out to me was it's, it's impossible for people to buy into your methods if they don't buy into you, which maybe you just kind of allude to a little bit. But can you expand on on that and how that's kind of come into play in your practice? Yeah, to me, it really comes down to uh, practice-based evidence in so many ways. And the the person or the helper really is the the medicine. Um, And you learn some of those uh, techniques through practice. And they call it practice for a reason. So no matter how long you've been doing this work, you should always be tweaking and modifying and adjusting your approach to the needs of that unique individual who's in front of you. So um, we should be using evidence-based practice and, and knowing which methods are in for different kinds of problems, but we, we also have to understand that the, the medicine is, is the person who's delivering those interventions. So people change if they see the helper is being caring and trustworthy. Incredible. Sure. Yeah. Now, our, our Medical Alley uh, community and, and the listenership here is made up from all different sectors of healthcare. Um, but of course, mental health is, is an increasingly important topic for 
you know, everybody uh, here at the Medical Alley Association, it's been a big emphasis this year in particular. Uh, what do you hope that people who are listening to this today take away from, um, you know, when they think about mental health? Yeah, I think we have fortunately drawn some important lessons through our pandemic experience here. So uh, if you didn't know what it meant to feel scared or alone or confused before the pandemic, you or someone you love knows a lot about that now. And so I I think trying to capitalize on on some of the the angst that's out there, so to speak, has been helpful. And I think exercising some universal precaution now and and moving forward, it's like they tell you when you're admitted to college, right, you're in the great big auditorium turn to your left and turn to your right. One of those people won't be here in, in four years. Uh, you can do the same thing in a sense with mental health. If you, you look in both directions, the people next to you, um, one of those people is struggling probably in a profound way with yeah. some kind of a social or emotional issue. So be available um, and listen carefully to, to what's happening with them. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too, and this is, is drawing from some of the, the, the well-being science that, that's out there. If you look at you know decades now of research into uh, mental health and what allows people to flourish, it all comes down to two words, and that's other people. So strong, positive social connections have always provided the best buffer against stress and adversity, and they have also always been the, the surest way to elevate your mood, to be around people who care about you uh, during tough times. And then the last thing I would say is that therapy works. Uh, sure. For a number of different reasons, people are reluctant to, to try it. Right. But if you keep in mind that uh, putting forth the, the effort and getting the connected to the right kind of therapist, taking your time to find that yep, person. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of great stuff here. I want to kind of ask you, uh, just as we leave here, yeah. uh, a little more of a fun question. You said this has been four years, four seasons now. You grew up a lifelong Vikings fan. How fun has this season been for you uh, just to, to see what the team's doing? Well, the, there are chapters still to unfold, <laughs> but uh, so far it's been an incredible ride and uh, a lesson in, in resilience. Uh, each game, it seems like there have been many opportunities where uh, – People could have gotten discouraged or could have started pointing fingers and uh, just the opposite has happened consistently that this group has banded together. Uh, Players, coaches and staff has remained uh, unwavering in in their focus on the ultimate goal. And um, this could be the year. That is our hope. (laughs) Maybe there'll be some some uh, things in the museum here after this season that they'll want to put. That would be fitting. (laughs) Well, Dr. Brown Elmack, I really appreciate your time here talking about mental health and the work you do with with the team here. So, uh, again, really thank you for taking the time today. Thanks so much, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, everybody, this is a special edition of the Medical Alley podcast live at the Alley Chats event. Thanks to our sponsors of the event, Rebiotics and MDI. Thanks to the Vikings for having us here. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you are not already a subscriber of the podcast, I'd encourage you to subscribe. And as my colleague Frank likes to say, share this episode with one other person. We never know how big of a difference that makes if we can all share it with just one other person. So until next time, thanks and have a great day.